If you love a prodigal, you can discover help and hope for your wilderness journey right here at When You Love a Prodigal podcast, and also hope and help for your own life journey. My name is Judy Douglas, and I am your host. And we have a very special guest today. Her name is Sarah Nielsen. She's a wife, a mom of three, a speaker with Your Choice to Live, a drug education prevention and awareness program. We'll ask her about that a little later. I became acquainted with Sarah several years ago when a friend gave me a copy of her highly recommended book, Just Keep Going. Then Sarah was so nice to give a box of her books to our Prayer for Prodigal Ministry, which we have been able uh, to share with, with a lot of people. So we're very grateful for that. It's really been a help to those with prodigals. And I think you, my listeners, will enjoy and be grateful for what Sarah has to say. So remember, you have to write down anything you want to apply. You think you'll remember it, but you won't. (laughs) And so just jot yourself a note. When she says something, you go, oh, yeah, I could do that. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you, Judy. I am delighted to get to hear more of your story, having read your very personal and practical book. So let's just dig right in. So give us a little background. Tell us some of your story about yourself and your prodigal journey. Oh, thank you so much, Judy. Um, as you said, I am married to a wonderful man, Bush, and I we have three sons. They're all married to lovely daughters-in-law of mine. But 15, 16 years ago, I remember sitting uh, so vividly in a treatment center. My husband and I were about four rows back in a classroom-like setting, and we were there because our son was in treatment. It was early on in it, and they went around the room asking us to introduce ourselves. And, And I said, I'm Sarah, and I'm here to support our son, Ted. And and Ted's turn was next, and Ted said, my name is Ted, and I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict. And then it was my husband's turn, and I really had an out-of-body experience. I thought, how in the world is that possible? We are a Christian family. We live in the suburbs. We've raised you in the church and in our faith, and this is not how it's supposed to go. And I just don't even know how that's possible. And that was my wake-up call, Judy, which is so odd because for 10 years before that, we had watched our son um, in a downward spiral and his behavior and, and drugs and alcohol were what we thought was a symptom, but in many ways it was the cause. Of course, we never know what the real cause is, why our children do what they do, whether it's addiction or <clears throat> other things. We can speculate, but we don't know. And so for those 10 years, we watched Ted make just poor choices and detach from our family and go downward, downward, downward. And And I know that I and many of our listeners can identify with what you're saying. Sure. We don't know. And as moms, we think we can fix it. That's our job. And you would think I would know I was raised in an alcoholic household. My father died of alcoholism when I was young, but... I didn't know. We didn't talk about it. So I had no awareness of of what the real problem was. So 
Can you give us a little more about how that got started and and uh, what it was like as Ted was descending into alcohol and other drugs? Sure. Um, we had a traumatic um, incident happen in our family where a sweet little boy, he was like a fourth son to us across the street, um, died of some cancer complications when he was 12. He was Ted's best friend. And of course, that's traumatic. And again, we don't know what spurs things on or if that's just their genetic makeup that is exacerbated by other things. But that seemed to be when the the trouble started or at least accelerated it where he <clears throat> was more interested in friends um, than our family and was exhibiting high maintenance behavior, should we say, um, <laughs> increasingly where we were to a point where I remember thinking in the summers when they were off school, we have an incident pretty much every single day with Ted. Wow. And I would, I, I'm sure you did this in your, your readers. I read all these parenting books, Christian and not, and think, okay, well, this works with our other two children, but this is not working with this child. So there's always the inherited possibilities there. If, Absolutely. Uh, and um, I know that was true for our son um, as well. So what were you saying to God at this time? Or what were your husband and you saying to each mm, other? That's a great question. My husband is just a, a beautiful, strong, wise Christian. And he would tell you he was able to compartmentalize better than I was with Ted. Um, because he had his career and and just his makeup. But for me, um, I just was sucked into the vortex of God, for lack of a better way. God and I were just less than a breath away that time. And I spent so much time walking, taking prayer walks, especially at night when I could cry and I could talk out loud and and be verbal and just beg God help. You know, I as I was reading your book, that's exactly what you were doing. Uh, mm -hmm. Chapter after chapter was often a conversation with God uh, mm -hmm. that you were having about your own inadequacy or your own fears or your own help <laughs> request. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and so that makes it very real that you're going through this hard thing. But you have God there, and he's part of it. And so it, you're not alone in that journey. That's right. And the rest of your family, what did your other sons think about it? Well, nobody really knew, of course, what prompted this. We can ask why all day long, can't we? Yes, uh, we, we can. We still don't know. And trauma, of course, of a death of a close friend could definitely be a trigger. Sure. It could be. We don't know. Ted says, but we don't, I don't know. know. I could have gone down this path anyway. I probably would have. We don't know. But um, our older son, John, was Ted's best friend. They're 18 months apart. And so they were very, very close. Our youngest son's three and a half years apart. So he was a little bit more detached from the situation. But John, in his experience, was losing his best friend. And John wasn't making those choices. And so John was watching this happen. And it was um, a huge loss to him. And um, we tried very hard. God is so gracious to give me an awareness of I do not want this 
disgust ad nauseum with my other children. So as, as much of the tornado was swirling through our house, we really tried to shower attention on the other two children as well. So was there tension then between you and uh, Ted especially? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yes. Yes, there was. There was tension. That's a really um, a great euphemism, Judy. Um, <laughs> I really didn't feel very equipped. I just loved having these three little boys. And when teenage time came and then this, I just thought, I, yeah, I am not sure what to do with this. Um, yeah, there, there was tension. Um, but like other parents, too, we tried to reward him, to punish him, to encourage him, to add things, take things away, anything we could think of to do, which is great. But it also is um, think, makes one think, I can fix this. I just don't know what the key is yet. Sometime, if you keep trying, you're going to hit on what That's will fix right. it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't happen sometimes. No. But you tried all the things that people would try. And, of course, you were praying as well. Absolutely, all day long, just to keep my head above water for myself, but also for him. And, you know, Judy, I just, I realize that people lose their children. And I, I never would want to say, here's a formula. Of course oh, not. No it's formula, only, right. No, it's my experience and that's it alone. But I, on those night walks and sitting by a bonfire in our backyard by myself, I would look up at the stars and I would say, Lord, God, you made all this. Surely you can do something about a boy in Brookfield. And that encouraged me. I just thought he is in charge. He knows. So when and how then did you begin to see a change and where you got some help or things got better? Well, um, when you asked about our family, when t well, Ted went into treatment. and Willingly. Yes, but it was about the 11th hour. At that point, he was living, he had flunked out of college twice and was living in a basement apartment with um, no money because Bush and I had decided that we needed to pull back on mm -hmm. um, helping his, what ended up to be helping his behavior. So he was doing drugs and alcohol about 22 hours out of every day. But he managed to get those. Yes, he managed to get those, by which we know there are many means if one is motivated. So with sweet friend of Ted's and mine, who is his age, named Courtney, who we met on a family mission trip a few years before, came to me and uh, had lunch with me and said, I need to tell you a very hard thing, Sarah. I need to tell you that. Ted has a very, very, very bad drug and alcohol problem. And uh, obviously I knew he was at the bottom, but I didn't realize the depth of that because he wasn't living with us and, and probably because my head was in the sand to a degree. And so that night she drove to where he was living two hours away to talk to him about treatment because her dad is a recovering alcoholic and she knew about treatment. Mm 
Mm-hmm. My dad never got that far. And then the next day I went and drove to where he was and said, are you ready to go get help? And he said, yes. And we left with his backpack. And two days later, he was in 90 days of treatment. Oh, good. Not just 30 days. <laughs> exactly. And then it went on after that. And in what I'll just quickly tell you is such an amazing program that God made us aware of, and that is collegiate recovery, where there's a school named Augsburg in Minneapolis that has a program for students in recovery where they can live on campus, go to college, and have a community of recovery where they can continue working their program. How wonderful. He did that. And he did that. Well, that he was willing is a huge step. Absolutely. Um, Because so often they'll say yes, and then they bail out. Yes. And so I'm so glad that he was willing to do that. Um, Why don't you tell us a little about how that proceeded and where he is now? Sure. Well, this treatment facility had all kinds of exercises, of course, for him to do. And one of them was to write an for to ask family members to write an impact letter on how his addiction had affected us. And so we all did that. And Ted said, in treatment, what really jarred him into getting on board, just because you're sitting in the rooms of treatment doesn't mean you're on board. We all know. And he said, reading his older brother, John's impact letter on how his addiction had impacted John was what jarred him into saying, okay, I need to change. I need to get on board with this. And John was the brother he was close, really close to. That's right. And John had written to him, Ted, you know, I lie on the floor of my law school room and sob that I've lost my brother. I look at brothers in church worshiping together, and I wish that was us. So um, that is what made Ted get serious, and he was ever since then. He, today, 15 years um, sober, long-term recovery in September. He is a financial advisor with a financial firm. He's married to a beautiful, wonderful wife. And he still works his program of recovery, which he will have to do the rest of his life, going to meetings and working with others who want to stay sober. He does a living amends, which to the rest of his family, especially his brothers, because he he would say, I, I stole so much attention from them and they deserved it. And I need to spend the rest of my life not making it up to them but being the brother that I wish I had been at the time and the same to us as parents. That's beautiful. That really is. And so um, now you actually have done something of what I've done, taking that hard journey Mm. and, and let God use it to touch other lives as well. And you wrote this book called, um, just keep going. <laughs> How'd you come up with that title? I came up with that title because I have several beautiful and precious friends. And one of those friends, Cindy, 
wrote me an email one day as she, they were all prone, but she was prone to do. And she said, Sarah, I just feel like in hard times, God whispers in my ear, just keep going. And I had so much loved um, the first chapter of James about tenacity and using hard times to an advantage. And uh, that's what resonated with me. And I thought, that's what else can we do? Well, we have a choice, but just keep going and see what God does. Well, as I was reading it, I underlined it, well, highlighted a lot of things. And one that I that really stood out to me was as, as uh, your son was uh, in, I guess, the last year of high school entering, and your husband suggested to you uh, that as you entered the last year of high school with Ted, uh, that um, you would just keep on, that you would remember that this is the time to love him. I, I was going to read it to you, but I got away without the book with me. So oh, but, I have it here. <clears throat> page 41. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you read that then? Outside of his open closet door, my husband draped his tie on a hook and then took me by the shoulders. He said, Sarah, you have just one year left with Ted at home. Make it count. Love him. Touch him. Hug him. Kiss him. I know you two have your issues with each other, but the most important thing you can do this year is to make sure he leaves here knowing you love him. This book actually came about because of my husband. I, it came from journaling I did during those 10 years, which I do every morning in my quiet time with the Lord. And, and every day God would give me a scripture, a word, a something, but most often it was a scripture. And I wrote and wrote and wrote about the scripture he would give me. And so when Ted was, I think, a month away from getting sober, my husband said, honey, you know, if, if you're feeling these things, you know that so many other mothers and parents are, why don't you put that in a book? And so that's where that came from. And it's pretty much those journal entries. Yeah, I have a lot of journal entries, too. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> so, but I just think that that message from your husband to you, mm-hmm. that this is the last year at home where you will have such an ability or opportunity to really connect with him, even if he's making bad choices, and and his message to love him and hug him and make sure he knows how much he's loved and cared for mm-hmm. is what is about the most important message and it's not an easy thing to do when a child is causing so many heartbreaks and mm-hmm. frustration and you feel helpless because nothing is working and but what is working which you may not see for a long time is that you're keeping loving and yeah. I just, to me, that's one of the most important messages that someone with, especially a, a child, but any, even an adult, if they know you love them, at some point that will woo them back. Uh, yes. And God says the same thing in Romans uh, 2, 4. It says, don't you know that I woo them with my loving kindness? 
Mm. And and so I just I just affirm that. Mm. One of my favorite chapters was Never Give Up, which obviously goes with just keep going. So what did you learn about how you never give up? What what does that look like in the trenches? I have uh, an example in my heart that I remember so well at the bottom, if you will, of our experience with Ted. And he had called me one day, and we all know this of moms of prodigals. When you hear your child's voice on the phone, hi, mom, you can take their temperature immediately, right? Mm -hmm. And you hear that in your heart sinks. And so he was so at the bottom at that point, I wasn't sure that we were going to keep him, um, that he would choose to keep living. And I remember it was a morning, I had my pink bathrobe on and I got off the phone and I got on the floor and I just said, Lord, I cannot carry this. I can't carry this burden of responsibility, whether he lives or dies. I can't be the lifeline. I'll pick up the phone. And sometimes that's not appropriate, but in our case, it, it was okay. And um, I need to give this to you. And Judy, I just feel like God said, you know what, baby? God speaks to me in terms of endearment. If it doesn't to you, I believe yeah. it was to me. Um, you know what, baby? That was never your responsibility. Never. But thank you for handing that over. And, and in answer to your question about never giving up, I did not give up then. But I gave up that being my job. That's good. That's good. Ted and I were speaking with, um, in a group to um, a group of people at church, telling our story. And somebody in the audience, a dad said to Ted, what did your parents do right? And what did your parents do wrong? And he said, well, um, my parents did the best they could with the tools they had. And he said, this was all my decision. This is not on my parents. But if I would to answer that question, I would say that they enabled my behavior more than they should have. He said, but what they did right was they never gave up on me. I knew that when I wanted to get help, they were there for me. And I know that anyone listening is thinking, okay, Lord, I'm going to ask you to help me to never give up. Well, we moms know, right, Judy? We know the reason I didn't give up is because I knew what was inside, Ted. You know your child. Yeah. You know all the goodness. You know all the God-given gifts. You know who they really are apart from the behaviors or the addiction. <laughs> I love that. So healing in your family, was that needed? <laughs> It was, you know, we're, we're grateful. I know that a child in turmoil can break apart a marriage. Yes. Um, and it after, does a lot of times. Yes, it does. And we're so um, grateful that that did not happen to us. We were not always on the same page, but yeah. we, um, in the end, had solidarity. But for healing for us, um, I was told um, and advised by Ted's counselor in treatment to go to my own 12-step program for friends and family of people who love a person in substance abuse. And at the time, I was like, well, okay, I'll do that. Haven't I done enough? But okay, I'll do that because I want to be a good mom and I'll, I'll 
I'll proceed. And I did do that. I went to a meeting near me right away and was, again, sort of shell-shocked about it and thought, I just want to get in the parking lot and cry because whoever thought I'd be in this meeting, not me. Yeah. So, but I kept going back because they say keep coming back six times or more. And I did that. And I was blown away by the help that was there because finally I was sitting next to people who understood what it was like to be me. You know, all the well-intentioned friends of the world, they're so precious and sweet, but they don't get it. They don't get it because they haven't been there. That's right. So I still, 15 years later, am still in my friends and family 12-step program for people who love people in addiction. And Ted still works his program. And our older son, John, also went to the same 12-step program where he was living, not in our city, and got help for himself and just said, Mom, you know, this is just a, this is a formula for everybody. And it's full of God. It's full of God. And um, my husband doesn't do that. I, you know, he has his own journey, but he has embraced the serenity prayer, which he says in his job often and to people in meetings, let's just all stop and say the serenity prayer here, which we laugh about. And our older son is just so sweet. I mean, our younger son, he, again, he was a little detached from the situation, although he knew it was going on and he's just absorbing the recovery of everybody else right now. That's great. So God's given you not only a book, you have a website. What is it for? The website is a compilation of information that I wish I had when we were in the middle of things with Ted. I was so starved for information or help. I went to youth pastors. I went to as many books as I could find. Again, I didn't go to addiction books. I didn't know that was the real problem, but um, counselors. I just went everywhere and I couldn't find anything that was helping me. So anyway, when we did come into all this help and information, I uh, I was often called on at church. We were at a mega church in Wisconsin at the time, and people, and we kind of laugh in this dark humor, but people go, oh, well, on that topic, why don't we ask Sarah Nielsen? Doesn't she have a kid that had problems? <laughs> <laughs> so Ted was so generous to let us tell our story, and sometimes that's not possible. It needs to be confidential sometimes, but yes, Ted allowed us to do that. He said, if it's going to help someone, mom, go ahead. And he that's what my son him. says every time. Does he? Does he? <laughs> yeah. That's so beautiful. And so we were, I would tell a story, but then they'd have moms call me and I was telling this information so much. My husband said, why don't you just do a website and you can tell people go to the website. So that's what I did. Now there's so much more information. Out and what there. is the website called? It's called JustKeepGoingParents.com. And what might they find there? You can find um, a little bit about our story. You can find video testimonies, if you will, from Ted right at the beginning when he got sober. It was a long time ago. And others who have struggled with addiction and what helped them to get sober. And they're very God-filled stories. And there's one about eating disorder as well, although that has not been our experience. But that and um, a library of books that were helpful to me that I would highly recommend and links to other resources. Mm -hmm. 
Fantastic. So what is your choice to live? Your choice to live is um, an organization that's actually under new management now since I spoke with them um, for about five years. Um, and I haven't for a while because things had switched around with them. But it's funny because Ted was in treatment with a young man whose parents sat down and said, what could we do to help other parents? And they started Your Choice, which was a grassroots organization of people and addicts in recovery, uh, their son primarily, the siblings, talking about what it's like to be a sibling of someone in addiction and parents speaking to parents. So we would speak in schools and churches and community organizations, mainly telling our story, but also offering resources for help. So say the what it is again so people can write it down and remember to go. Yeah, it's under Addiction Resource Council now, but it's called Your Choice to Live. And they also do webinars and so forth. Stuff like that. So why don't you kind of summarize some things and tell, speak to the moms who are listening um, and who are facing children or even adults or siblings uh, or mm. even parents um, who ha are prodigals who are especially involved in addiction. What I've <clears throat> learned in my journey thus far, Judy, is to live your God-given life. We have so many gifts that God has given us and he has plans for us. And for me, I just let this derail me from all that. I thought at the time, it is my job for the rest of my life to fix this and or feel sad about it. I would get up in the morning as Ruth Bell Graham, who also had a prodigal said, mm -hmm. You wake up not from a nightmare, but to a nightmare. And I let that consume me. I didn't have any tools. I didn't know. I didn't know where to get help. So I give myself that grace. But I would say get help. I know you've heard this a hundred times from people on your podcast. Don't do this alone. Do not isolate. There are people who have walked where you're walking. And two more things. Don't give up. As long as there's breath. In your child, in your loved one, don't give up because things can change tomorrow. Everything can turn around. Yes, that's not everybody's experience. We know that. But it's possible. And then the third thing I, I would say, Judy, I am the help that I've gotten in the last 15 years has so expanded my view of God. Yeah. And I used to think and pray, well, God, you're just going to give Ted a thought one day lying in bed. He's going to sit up and say, wow, I need to change everything. But that isn't how it worked for us. And I remember the sense of God speaking to me saying, you know what, honey, is it okay if I use whatever way I want to, to get Ted back? Is that okay with you? <laughs> yeah. I would say, too, to have in that same vein, have an open mind that not everything has to be Christian. Not everything has to be what you envision. That God is, has no ties, no leashes. He's not in a box. He will use everything yeah. and anything he wants to. And I needed to open my hands and just say, do it your way. 
Yeah, I one of the things that we thought would actually cause our son to take his life was the death of his grandfather, whom he adored. And uh, instead, that motivated him that he wanted to honor his grandfather. He wanted mm-hmm. to please him. And so he, it was one of the major turning points for him uh, yeah, to walk away from his addictions and bad choices. And yeah, so interesting. You, you don't know, but God has surprises. And mm-hmm. he doesn't give up either, just as he asks us not to. He absolutely does not. So, Sarah, thank you so much. I'm just so grateful uh, for your openness and willingness to share your hard journey uh, and give such wisdom and and help uh, to our listeners. And I think they're very encouraged, even blessed by the -hmm. words that you've shared. And so to my friends listening, what has stood out? What especially seemed like a word just for you of what you need to do, how you need to keep going, to not give up. Uh, Again, if you don't write it down, you may forget it. So I really encourage you to take a minute to write it down. Now, we're going to give away three copies of Sarah's book, Just Keep Going. You'll love reading it. It's easy reading, little short chapters because they're her journal. Uh, things that she was writing. And uh, if you'd like to be in the drawing to receive one, there's a link in the show notes for you to be able to to respond to that, and that will put you in uh, that opportunity. And we're excited to give you those books. So um, we'd love to know what you thought, how this has been helpful to you. You can write to us. There's a way there on the on the show notes to respond. And, and so let us know. And I'm sure Sarah would love to hear from you. We'll be glad to pass on anything you give us to her as well. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And next week, next week, listeners, we're going to talk about turning curses into blessings. Um, A lot of times the things we say to our loved ones seem like curses because we're so hurt and we're so angry. But I'm going to help you see a way to turn those curses into blessings instead. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much, Judy. God bless you and God bless our listeners.